Welcome to Feminist Erotica, a podcast from Rebellious Magazine for Women. Join Jera, Karen, and Princess for stimulating interviews that explore feminist representations of desire, as well as short and sweet erotic snippets read by the authors themselves. This episode is sponsored by Just the Tip, Rebellious Magazine's inclusive sex and relationship advice column where you'll find interviews with sexuality researchers and educators, as well as compassionate responses to anonymous questions. Check it out at rebelliousmagazine.com slash just dash the dash tip. Hello, world. Welcome to another episode of the Feminist Erotica podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I am one of your co-hosts, your illustrious co-host, Karen Hawkins. I am joined by another illustrious co-host, Princess McDowell. And we are thrilled to be talking today to Kat Jackson, who is an erotica author. And Kat, tell, uh, tell our, uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself before we jump into the interview. I am a bored academic or an overworked academic. There's no like in between. I'm a historian and I write erotica and erotic romance in my, I'm going to say spare time, but that's actually a lie. Most of the time I'm writing when I should be doing actual work and I just don't want to. Yeah. Fair. Yes. I really, I really, I appreciate that so much. <laughs> so, why did you start writing erotica? I started writing fan fiction is what I started writing. And I, I realized I only wanted to write at that point. So I was in grad school actually, but I was burnt out and homesick and tired all the time. And so I started writing fan fiction, but I only wanted to write the sex, like, or like really intimate moments. Like I wasn't interested in like, I love like the fanfic culture. That's like, you know, a, 79 chapter coffee shop AU. I like that it exists, but I'm never going to read it and I'm certainly never going to write it. I was like the queen of the like ficlet or the like sort of short like vignette. And I was like, well, here is 400 words and that I wrote probably while I was not paying attention in the class I was TAing. And it is not edited, it is poorly, <laughs> it's a mess, but it's just, it's just whatever I had. So I started writing fan fiction first, and where I realized that I was really interested in like the sort of intimate connections that people have with one another, which eventually led to erotica. I also loved erotica when I was much younger as well, so I think it was a natural progression. What, um, what kind of, if you don't mind saying, what kind of fan fiction were you writing? Oh, um, I started writing uh, Cold Case fan fiction. Did you ever watch that show? Yes. Yeah, so I was, look, okay, I was on Live Journal. This is a mess. But I was on Live Journal and I was, there are other fandoms, but this is the only thing that stuck. I was writing um, polyamorous or like more like voyeuristic uh, erotica between Scotty Valens cat who's played by tracy Thomas. i can't remember her her character name and then you know that season she dated the white da who is uh, jonathan lapalia so it was right near the end so whatever so anyway like they were i was writing like the, those couples and then in every vignette scotty valens was like like mm. spying on them or like listening or watching them having sex somewhere on the station it was so much fun 
I loved it. So <laughs> I was writing other things like, you know, whatever. Uh, everyone was writing um, Vampire Diaries, you know, fan fiction at the time. But I, I fell off of that show really quickly. So the thing that stuck was like cold I'm pants. trying to remember. See, they're all one show, like every Law and Order, every Truth, all of those shows are like one show yeah. in my head. That's not the one with Poppy. Is Cold Kiss? No, that was Without a Trace. I watched, so look, I watched all of them. Cold Case was the one, <laughs> was the one where they did all of the, you know, obviously yeah. the name Cold Cases, but they would like go back like really far. So like the 1800s or the 1910s. And so every episode had the most amazing music all from the year that they were, the time period that they were, um, that they were uh, covering. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's actually part of the reason why a lot of people who never saw it can't see it now because they couldn't get it licensed mm -hmm. to like release it on DVD. It's now on Roku TV, but anyway, um, but that was like over a decade ago that we have been, we, my dorky friends and I have been waiting for the show to stream somewhere. But so every episode was like a cold case from various time periods. So they would jump to like, you know, the like 1880s or the 1960s. I think it was set in like Philly or something like that. It was such a great show though. So, so great. It has some of my favorite tea. Like they, it has um, Tessa Thompson playing a lesbian during like uh, Prohibition. It's just like a great show. <laughs> Let me write that down, cold case. So how did, how did the journey um, kind of transition from writing the fan fiction into writing erotica stories and self-publishing? So when I was writing fan fiction, it was actually, I found a community, um, a website, a community of primarily Black women authors writing fan fiction that center Black women um, or women of color. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. I made some, some of my really good friends now through the website. And then when it folded, which was actually right around the time like Tumblr started, <laughs> we all like switched from the website to Tumblr. And I started writing, like, again, like, fan fiction and fic and like that on mm -hmm. Tumblr. But then I also started meeting, or at least, like, encountering um, self-published authors, which is, I think, the first space I saw Rebecca Weatherspoon was actually her Tumblr. And I love Rebecca Weatherspoon. And so seeing other, like, self-published authors who were kind of in the sort of fandom spaces I was in, who were writing things that I didn't think... Um, that I knew I couldn't get at like publishers, traditional publishers, that was sort of part of the, the push. And then I think also realized, so the first story I wrote, which was not erotica and, and self-published, I was out of grad school in a job that I'm still in that at the time I really hated because um, I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. And so I wrote this story primarily to sort of see if I could do it. And and then it was like, it made me happy, which was really significant because right when I published it, my cat at the, one of my cats at the time got sick. And so I kept trying to work on new projects as I was nursing this cat through the process of what would eventually be, I mean, I ended up having to put her down. Um, and I was also working through a tenure track position. So I was like writing for publication as a, as a, as a scholar, as an academic. And then at night sometimes or in the middle of the days or in, in this, you know, sort of winter and summer breaks, I would write just a little bit more on like another story or, you know, something like that, a little bit of fan fiction, whatever it was. 
And then um, the next story I published was from scratch. And I actually published that two weeks before I put that cat to sleep. So it was kind of this thing I did to sort of cope with all this other stuff. Um, and again, in that case, it was like, can I do this thing? Can I have this sort of series of completion when I know that I'm going to have to like say goodbye to this, this pet that I loved? Sorry to like give you the downer. <laughs> No, I mean, listen, that's the reality of it. I think it's so interesting how people turn to writing genre fiction in order to work through, like, the world and, like, the things that they're processing and dealing with. I would, one of the interesting things that I've always found with talking to people and then talking to writers and, uh, and uh, when partners that I've had when they don't believe themselves to be writing, but when they sit down and actually do it, what comes out is erotica stories. And I'm always like, that feels like such an entry point for people to be able to express emotions and feelings about things. It's just writing erotica sexy stuff. Like it's, that's so, I love it. I love yeah. it so much. So I have a million questions. I, I will focus on this one. So how did you go from so when you were self-publishing, when you started, were you on, you were on Tumblr and how did you kind of move, like what kind of platforms have you used and where are you now? <clears throat> I started, when I started writing fan fiction, I was on LiveJournal like everyone else. Right. Um, and then I was on Archive of mm -hmm. Our Own like everyone else. And I was like cross posting from AO3 to like Tumblr. And then I don't really remember now how I realized that you could self-publish on Amazon. Even though I was reading a lot of self-published like romance and romantic suspense and a little bit of urban. But I, I mean, I figured it out. I, I have no idea how. Um, I probably came across a post on Tumblr that was like, here are the eight steps to doing it. You know, like how there used to be those things mm -hmm. and they were incredibly useful and accurate. So I probably stumbled on something like that. And I just thought, well, I'll try. And it was a mess. And my first cover was a mess. And like, you know, that story still, it's still up for sale, but I'm like revising it. I mean, there's a million things. So it was mostly just, which is why I love internet culture. I just could find a million, like new places to go. When I usually moved um, right up through Tumblr, I moved where my friends moved. So they were, you know, I was on that website and then they were on LiveJournal and then I went to talk to them more and then we were all reading fan fiction on AO3. So yeah, I just kind of, you know, sort of moved around and then I, I ended up now on like Amazon and some of my stories are still on just Amazon and I'm moving some of them wide uh, recently. So what kinds of stories do you write now? Are there genres you're specifically interested in? I mostly write... So I have two pen names technically, or actually Katrina Jackson is a pen name. Um, and under that pen name, I write a little bit of everything. I write, you know, contemporary romance, er mostly erotic romance. Um, so uh, in that kind of spans a bit of things. I write a lot of polyamorous triads, a lot of polyamorous triads. I think that's the thing I'm most known for. A lot of queer romance, you know, outside of polyamory, all of my heroines have are, are most of my heroines are black women and um, I write a lot of diverse multi and interracial and multicultural and black romance and then my other pen name which I just launched a couple of months ago is Brandy Bush and I write only erotica through Brandy Bush and it's mostly erotic shorts which has been really fun because 
sort of I'm thinking through a lot of other interesting or other interests I have. So I'm that's a that pen name is a little bit taboo, and I say a little bit because I don't I, like I don't write like dark romance, and I don't write like any of that non con or anything like that. But the first story I published for that was the roommate, and it was about a college girl who was attracted to her college roommate's parents. So again, same thing. I love polyamory. Um, I love queer, you know, black girls. James. So here we are. <laughs> and so it's mostly sort of like, how do I take these kind of taboo sort of stories, but write them in ways that are, according to my friends, like traditionally me. So, and it's, I, I, it's also another way for me to only, to have space for only my erotica and not feel like I have to give the happily ever after of romance, which sometimes I really don't want to write, to be honest, <laughs> to be fair. I was thinking through one of the answers that you gave before when you said you were reading erotica from like a young age who were you reading way back when and then who are you inspired by now i'm so i can give you a specific answer and a vague answer yep. the very first erotica i i read was a and rocalier like Anne rice right right mm-hmm. like just terrible um i was a huge fan of her vampire series and i'm a, i used to be a completionist right so i was like i need to read everything by Anne rice so then i was sneaking into the adult section <laughs> and i was like who is this person? Oh, I don't know. And then I, you know, but I knew enough to surreptitiously check it out, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't take this to the counter. Like, so that was the first bit of erotica I read. Certainly, it scarred me for life. And then after that, I was, I, I don't have like a lot of specific names, partially because what I learned really early, like when I brought back those Anna Claire books, is that I shouldn't have them. So I was reading erotica in the library. Like I would just stay in the library after that. So it was like whatever I could find, I was just sort of taking off the shelf, like sandwiching between books I was supposed to have. And then I was reading them in the corner of the, of the library. And then I found things like, you know, like whatever, literotica and stuff like that as I got a little bit older. But yeah. And right now, there are lots of people I really love. Again, I love Rebecca Weatherspoon. She writes erotic romance, but she kind of straddles depending on her series. I think she's amazing. And she's also one of the uh, one of the reasons I'm writing now, period, <laughs> because she was writing Fat Black Girls. And I was like, oh, yes, like you can do that, right? I love Tasha L. Harrison as well. I, um, I think she does, her Lust Diary series is just like dirty. And I'm like, give me that. Katie Robert is great. I recently read Gypsy Me to His Best Friend, and I was like, what is happening? I like it. So yeah, I'll read a little bit of anything. My preference, though, is for Black authors and um, diverse stories, which sometimes is a little hard to That leads to this next question. One of the things that's most interesting to us, obviously, about self-publishing is not just for you as an author, but for readers. How do you find authors that you like? At this point, I just befriend them. I feel like <laughs> it's just easier. Yeah, like I found Rebecca on Tumblr, not realizing that she wrote erotic romance and things that straddled the line between erotic romance and erotica. And then from her, it was really like looking at recommendations. So through her, I found like Kit Rocha, who also writes like erotic romance that is very erotic, <laughs> depending on the book and or the series as well. And yeah, it's a lot of recommendations. I found Tasha similarly 
but I will, you know, I won't lie. It's not, it's not easy, even for me, even now, right? So it can be really difficult, like if, especially because I'm interested in, you know, diverse characters, and I'm not always particularly interested in interracial, including white people, like I'm very invested in looking at multicultural and interracial romances and erotica with people of color and different body types and, you know, queer characters as well. What ends up happening is once you go to those Amazon, um, those lists, you'll find kind of anything else, right? I mean, Amazon does not really care, like, what's in that list, because it's all about, from the standpoint of the author, it's all about what you categorize your, your books as, right? So I categorize my books as erotica, but... I will see books and romance that are technically erotica, right? So, because they want to get, they want to get past that stigma. Um, they want more people to see it. So it can be hard to find those things. Some, some authors do that, some do not. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a preference, I think, for some readers for like white characters and white authors. So it can be kind of hard to find those things using those mm-hmm. listings. So I mostly go on like friend uh, recommendations. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably how most writers really expand who they know and what they read is just by like my as a poet my favorite poets are the people that I know and through them is where I find all my other recommendations of people like who they're bringing up and I feel like it's a lot probably very similar in erotica space too. It is yeah especially if so another one of my friends who also writes erotica his name's Jack Harbin and he writes MM finding a man of color writing erotica feels impossible. And so when I found him, I was like, you are never getting rid of me. You (laughs) are like (laughs) mine. But yeah, like finding, he's, you know, biracial, uh, black and white, finding someone like him in romance or erotica feels impossible some days. They exist, but it's difficult. And so I really do, and he and I will have conversations or I'll have conversations with, you know, other friends about something they've read recently. And I take, I take those recommendations to heart because I know who they are as authors, but also they know who I'm interested in or what I'm interested in in reading. And that's impossible to get from any list realistically or, you know, whether it's Amazon mm-hmm. created or not. What have your if you want to get into it, what have your interactions been like with the larger kind of erotica writing scene or kind of the industry, like both erotica and romance, like kind of what have your, what have your experiences been like? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. The first ominous girl laugh. I know, like and answered yeah I mean to be honest with you I don't engage in like the erotica scene really there are some black indie erotica authors but they also straddle lines as well between like urban and romance and so I engage with them in other places but like erotica I don't engage for a variety of reasons one there is a lot of like fetishization fetishization happening there right whether it's men who write erotica like they're being sort of fetishized for being like free and open and in touch with their feelings and then it's like i want to say this happened recently where some a female author was exposed to be a man who had had really inappropriate conversations and dms with their female readers and i was like can i keep this and that has happened in other you know other genres of online culture as well and i'm just like well i don't want that 
I also think that there is a kind of particular persona some erotica authors want to have online, on Twitter in particular, since that's where I am wasting my days most of the time. And I don't want it. Like, I'm not out here posting, like, gifts of, like, you know, like, from, like, sexy movies or whatever like that. I'm also not out here telling you about my sex life except to tell you I don't have one. It's a pandemic, leave me alone. I also don't particularly like people. <laughs> and, look, I'm struggling. <laughs> and is that sort of persona to, that sort of push to perform a kind of sex image just because I write erotica is really not my thing. And I think also people want to push boundaries as well in that genre, in erotica, and I don't want that. I also tend not to really post about like sex or like sex education in particular. I'm a historian. I'm interested in like race and racism and politics. And so I'm usually angry. Um, you know, angry sex is fine, but I'm not talking it's about it. It's all so, go on a t-shirt. This all, the, <laughs> that whole paragraph you just said, I feel like needs to go on a t-shirt. <laughs> and then romance is a little bit more complicated because I, I write mostly erotic romance and explicitly erotic romance. I don't, I don't write much that could be classified as like contemporary romance on its own because, you know, I like my masturbation scenes. I want like a little bit of like public sex. Like I want to do what I want to do. And I, I do think there are some people, uh, certainly this is changing and it has been changing for a while. There are some people though who want to sort of kind of pretend as if, you know, erotic romance, they want to pretend as if it doesn't exist, right? So it's like, we're, we're talking about, I'm not writing smut, it sort of, it comes up again and again, right? So I'm not writing porn or whatever. And I very often classify my, my writing as porn, happily. Like, I, I love it, right? I, smut isn't in my particular <laughs> vocabulary, but I, I do think I write it. And I, so I, I sometimes feel as if, the conversation around romance excludes me a little bit because I write explicit sex scenes and I write mostly erotic romance, but I think it also tends to exclude me because I'm writing primarily characters of color. So I'm really invested in writing stories about people who look like me and my friends, who are in relationships like me and my friends. I'm also really invested in writing polyamorous relationships. I'm not entirely sure how that started, but it is actually my happy place. Like I'm not polyamorous, but I love writing polyamorous relationships because, well, for, there are many reasons, but, but so sometimes I feel as if I'm sort of on the kind of outskirts of romance. And so realistically, I just sort of stay back from a lot of conversations um, or from a lot of communities in romance and erotica. I feel a lot of ways about everything that you just said. Okay. Um, and I think I feel, I think I feel ways about it because it's so indicative of the way that us as queer Black women have to kind of engage and decide not to engage in the industries that we are a part of in order to keep ourselves safe and still enjoy the thing that we yeah. like to do. Oh man, that last part, right? So I consider like just stop, like to, to stop writing like six months ago five, like four, four to six months mm -hmm. ago. And that was partially because I felt like I was always fighting with people. And I, I am, on the one hand, I am like hypercritical, that is my training. 
But on the other right. hand, I tend to think that that like critical nature can allow us to have, you know, better conversations and to do better, right? But I felt like I was fighting with everyone, even to just like, for the maybe like a year or so, I felt like I was fighting for people to just say, hey, like name your white characters white, right? Like if I am particularly interested in reading like IR, a lot of my books have like um, a black female character and an Asian American man. If I'm looking for that and you like under IR, which it would be, or under multicultural, but you refuse to name your character, your white characters as white, and so I have to get 20% of your, in, into your book before I realize what's happening. Like, that's a, first of all, um, a, a product of white supremacy, right? But also, it, 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 it's just not useful. Like, if we're trying to be, like, diverse here, like, name everybody, right? Like, be specific. But then, on the other hand, it's like, having these kinds of conversations about diversity and what that means and what that requires us to do, one, I take that as self-reflective, but I think people... I think people took me as lecturing. I do lecture mm -hmm. for a living, so maybe, <laughs> like, I'll, like I'll take that on. But it's really about me wanting to have better conversations about romance and erotica and feeling as if in the process of asking questions, of making corrections, of taking things on critically, right, for my own work, I was just always at odds with people. And it made the thing that I really loved doing that I was doing to give myself a kind of sense of sanity in a world that felt anything but, it made it a chore and I didn't like that. So I pulled back in a lot of ways. We're glad you have re-engaged, <laughs> obviously. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> we definitely, I don't wanna speak for you Princess, but we definitely feel that, you know, we both come from journalism and how do you keep pushing into this industry you love, doing the thing you love, as you're saying, when you're, you're Oprah in the field, all my life I had to fight. Like, you're just like, come on. Like, and it's just this right. additional, it just adds so much, you know, emotional labor has become a trite phrase now, but it's true. You are doing an extra job on top of your real job. Right. Right. And the things that you're asking for aren't like earth shattering. It, it's it's ways in which you can actually like if people just do these small things to make it easier for people to find you to uh, feel connected to the work that you're producing like we know what we want people consumers know what they want they want to be able to find it and all you got to do is like a simple thing the fact that you know folks want to push back on that or feel intimidated or attacked or you know these huge words that they use in response to black women just saying like can you just make space for us or get out of the way like it's just so infuriating i lean into my angriness because <laughs> if i wasn't mad then i wasn't then i'm not here with you like it's my part and my job to be here to show you the things that you are doing that could be improved in order to make everybody better Right. And I will say too that I have a lot of friends who are really engaged in marketing and like growing their audience actively. And I have been really passive up until now for a variety of reasons. And some of them have to do with me wanting to find the audience that's interested in the thing I'm writing. Right. And mm -hmm. so at the end of all my books, I'll sort of tell people to tell a friend. And that has been, and so it's like reviews are great. And I know people want to be reviewed on Goodreads and Amazon and all of that stuff um, where they want to be reviewed by big publications. But I have literally gotten probably 95% of my audience from people just being like, 
I read this book and they're, and they're running to tell their friends. And that for me is really, that's the thing that keeps me engaged primarily because the number of people who come to me and said, I wanted to read polyamorous stories. I'm polyamorous. That like, that's literally what I want to hear. Right. Or I wanted, um, you know, queer black girls and here it is. Right. Or I wanted whatever it was. And for me, that's, that's the thing that keeps me going. And that's also why I sort of throw a mini tantrum about like doing any kind of marketing because I'm like, I know I want my six readers to tell a friend each or whatever it is. Because I think to a certain extent, I'm trying to give them what people like Rebecca um, gave me, which was, oh, here's a fat black girl, right? On the cover, like not even hiding it, right? Here's a fat black girl on the cover. Here's a queer black girl being loved, right? And loved well, right? Here is, you know, uh, one of my stories that I wrote, because I assumed based on all of the like Twitter marketing about like what romance readers like. So or and don't, more importantly what they don't like they don't like black female characters they don't like you know ff or you know sapphic women and i was like okay cool i'm going to write like james bond but polyamorous and like a puerto rican um like a sort of masculine kind of presenting puerto rican woman and um her white husband but then they're like you know dark skinned like perpetually horny like assistant and I wrote that for myself because Twitter told me no one was going to read that romance and it's too much sex and you know or it's not enough sex or whatever and like the story starts off with well the main story starts off with her like edging herself in their like office and I was like and she'd been doing it for years and I was like love it like I was like no one's gonna read this and then it became super popular so because it's like, I want to write the thing that I want to write, knowing that someone else is looking for Where can that people thing. find that story? What is that story called? And where can people find it? <laughs> um, that story is called Pink Slip. And it's the beginning of a series called The Spies Who, Loves Her, Who Loved Her, which is like, it's romantic suspense, like kind of. I'm, it's, it's erotic romantic suspense. And it's really just all of my favorite things thrown into one. So like the heroine of the second book is a cam girl because I love cam girls. <laughs> um, and the heroine of the uh, the third full book is um, an erotic dancer because I love strippers like to death. So so yeah, it's literally just like a little bit of danger, guns, blah, 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 but like a lot of sex in like as many places <laughs> as I can like make it happen. That is magical. <laughs> so again, I do want to be respectful of your time. Um, where can people find your work? Oh, so the Spies Who Loved Her series is one of my wide series. You can find that on any ebook retailer. Um, you can find my paperback books at The Robotist and or on Amazon or wherever. My I have like so many books. I just realized yeah. I was like, where can you find so many? <laughs> You can find my Welcome to Seaport series, which is like erotic small town romance <laughs> on Amazon and Kindle Unlimited. Um, Brandy Bush's books are on Amazon and Kindle Unlimited. The Roommate is out. The Nanny is coming out at the end of the month about a woman in a polyamorous relationship with two men who decides that she wants another baby. It's just like a mess. Like it's just, it's just all about like, you know, getting, getting pregnant, practicing to get pregnant, whatever you're doing. 
so yeah, you can find me on Amazon primarily. I'm on Twitter too much, if I'm being honest, but come talk to me. I'm, I'm around. My uh, handle is Katrina Jacks, J-A-X. I'm on Instagram too, but like not a lot. Th- so. This has been so wonderful. I am so glad that we all met and now we're best friends. <laughs> we are. Why not? <laughs> Let's just do it. It's been hard to make friends. Like I'm an adult now. Like once you graduate college, I just feel like it, it just gets harder. So let's be friends. Let's absolutely be done. Friends. It is done. Feminist Erotica is a podcast from Rebellious Magazine for Women, hosted by Jara Brown, Princess McDowell, and Karen Hawkins. If you have an idea for a future episode or want to share your thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at feministerotica at rebelliousmagazine.com. Follow us on Instagram at Feminist Erotica Podcast, on Facebook at Feminist Erotica, and on Twitter at Feminist Erotica. And make sure you subscribe to us wherever you devour podcasts.